right, welcome to Talking Giants. Steelers 26, Giants 16. Giants start the season now 0-1 on the national stage Monday Night Football. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We're brought to you by John Boy Media. Justin, we got a lot to unpack. Uh, if this is your first time listening to a post-game show, what we do usually is we talk about the offense, and then we'll take a break, and then talk about the defense. And Justin, the offense is the talk of the of this game anyways. Because, you know, we'll, we'll get to the defense, but the offense is the talk of this game. And I'll, I'll let you start because I have detailed notes on this offense, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the wide receivers, tight ends, whether it's Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start at the top with the quarterback? I kind of want to start macro for a second because I know we can easily just get into nitty gritty like, oh, we're going to we're going to we're going to talk about Daniel Jones. We're going to talk about Andrew Thomas. We're going to talk about Ingram. We're going to talk about Slayton because I know we can easily get into that because we're just nerds in that regard. But I kind of want to start macro and just overall thoughts and how we're feeling. Bobby, I'm sad. <laughs> my my name for the, you can see this on the YouTube crowd and the Patreon crowd sees that my name is Sadness right now. I'm not mad. Uh, I don't really think any Giants fan is mad right now. I mean, some people probably are because some people just get mad over anything. But I'm sad because, Bobby, we really came out. And number one, we were creating our own luck with the Steelers didn't look great. Big Ben was inaccurate with some throws. Pittsburgh skill position guys had a case of the dropsies. So did we sometimes. The muffed punt that basically put us inside the red zone and you only convert a field goal. I mean, there, this is also the theme of the Giants the last few years is just not converting opportunities. But... Bobby, you felt like we had the game in in our hands. You know, was was it going to be was it going to win if Daniel Jones didn't throw that interception inside the five yard line? I don't know. You can make an argument, yes. You can make an argument, no, because there was still a lot of time right. left. That changed the game, though. It it, it yes, it did, and, and we'll talk about that. But just sad, just sad, because obviously you take away good points from this game. There's a lot of good points. There's a lot of bad points. I think the good possibly overshadows the bad. But losing still sucks. Yeah. And this doesn't change the fact that the Giants have lost a lot of games over the last couple of years. And it doesn't get any easier. I think we knew exactly what this team was. And I think we feel that way. With the On Friday, we'll feel better. On Friday, when we're getting ready for the Bears and stuff, we will feel better. Obviously, right after a loss, it stings. But what did we say? On offense, what's the biggest weakness? Cam Fleming. That turned out to be true. Yep. On defense, Corey Ballantyne, and they did a good job of hiding him, but at the end of the game, um, they just started picking on him a little bit. Those were the two things. Like Those are the worries for this team on offense yeah. and defense. And we knew that if the Giants' offense wasn't going to propel this team forward, we knew that the defense wasn't going to be able to hold their ground. So you have every right to be mad at the defense, which I've you know we've seen a, a decent amount of people that are still mad at the defense. You have every right to be mad about the defense, but I'm also going to in turn respond to you and say you have unrealistic expectations about this Giants defense if you're continuing to be mad at them. It's the offense that has to propel, and oh, yeah, the loss is so. on the the loss is on the offense. Yeah. So let's let's start let's 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 start with Daniel Jones, and we'll talk about Daniel Jones and let it flow from there. Um, obviously the running game struggle, but let's start with Daniel Jones, the red zone interception, which was his first in his NFL career, first in over two years. Cause he didn't throw one his last year at Duke. He, it was just all touchdowns that totally swung the moment of the game and changed it. I mean, that was, that drive was free, as gritty as it gets, Justin. 
I mean, on that drive, it was 19 plays, third and 14. Pass to Darius Slayton, needles it. And that was like while he was in the end zone too. So he had to hold onto the ball, third and 14. The third and one play action to Toy Lolo, gritty. Uh, third and five, scramble, they give him a bad spot. So fourth and one, he yep. holds onto that ball, play action, gets it to Barkley. It looks like Barkley may have done the wrong thing. Third and six, he scrambles. He even like got his foot caught up and stumbled a little bit. And then third and three, like to Shep. So he was gritty as can be. Like he had pressure in his face. He held onto the ball for the right amount of time. That drive was awesome. Like I was, I was so pumped to tweet about that drive. Like that drive was like kind of encapsulated what I feel about Daniel Jones. And then he tries to force a play to a Slayton crossing across the back of the end zone, and he gets it. Dupree hits his hand. It gets, uh, you know, it, it gets tipped up and they get an interception and all that's kind of lost. So that's what stinks is like you either throw it away or what or live to play the next down, especially like when you're down six like that and your defense has been doing some type of, of, of a turnover. Macro wise, though, you got to feel really good about Daniel Jones, man, of the things we wanted him to get better at. I mean, he played gritty in this game and his team didn't help him. His team did not help him the only person who really helped him was Andrew Thomas and Darius Slayton those were the guys that helped uh, Daniel Jones today um, besides that really no one helped him I mean Zeitler struggled in this game uh, we'll, we'll get to when we talk about the offensive line but he was gritty and he was determined he made plays and he played smart besides that play the Watt interception I do blame him some people were trying to absolve him but that also was like a TJ Watt like crazy play so we're not gonna like break that down but like even like he pitting two hands on the ball, not fumbling. Like he played his ass off and played gritty and like against an awesome Steelers defense. I think the Steelers can be a Super Bowl team if their offense can just be a like above average. I really do. Like this defense is so good, and he did everything we wanted. We he was quick when he needed to be quick. He held onto the ball when he needed to hold onto it. He took shots when he needed to take it on. He scrambled like. Jones usually doesn't scramble that much. Even though he has the ability, he doesn't scramble. So, macro, I feel great about Jones. It just sucks that we're not feeling great about this game. But macro-wise, I feel great about Daniel Jones. He kind of, besides the one play, besides the one play that arguably cost the game, he did everything that we wanted to see him improve on. Um, I love that NFL Next Gen stats is coming out with stats like almost right away, right after the game. Bobby, on 41 attempts, his actual completion percentage was 63.4. His yep. expected completion percentage was 61.3. So that's positive 2.1. Where does that rank amongst the other quarterbacks from the weekend? Um, that ranks the 12th. It's the 12th highest amongst quarterbacks based off of the f first football weekend, not counting the second Monday Night Football matchup. So his completion percentage over expected, a category in which he struggled last year, he struggled to complete passes, which he was expected to complete. He did it on 41 attempts with absolutely no running game and playing an absolutely elite defense. So that 19 play drive though, Bobby, I wish, I wish we can, we should even make, Hey, here's an idea for a YouTube video. We should just hop on a zoom call and just watch every single play of that 19 yard drive and just talk about how much we absolutely love it because you saw everything in that drive that we liked from Daniel Jones and that we really, really liked from Daniel Jones based off of his rookie year. We saw it in that drive. A big play to Darius Slayton 18 yards down the field. A short little five-yard pass on a first down, by the way. Quick, short, efficient passing 
to Sterling Shepard, ironically, because that's the guy who we really want to go to with those short, efficient, um, when we're throwing the ball short and efficient in the intermediate routes. Quick little five-yard pass to Sterling Shepard. Serves as a perfect little nice run play if you really want to quote-unquote establish the run. Then Saquon Barkley backs it up with the four-yard run, then a 13-yard pass for a first down. So, you know, all of the, and then, you know, backs it up with a couple more runs, backs it up with some big runs on third downs. Um, Gritty. You said it best, Bobby. Uh, everything that we like about Daniel Jones, he literally showed on that 19-play drive, and almost everything that we hate about Daniel Jones, he showed on that one play. Yeah. You feel good about Jones' macro. It just sucks, that one freaking play, man. It's like you just got to give us that play back. And we and the talk about Jones around the NFL is like, man, that guy freaking showed up in ball. But what will yeah. happen is that play will be the play that people talk about. Yeah, it's, and- not, it's not just around Giants land. Even with that, people are like people. You look around, and Jones is not someone people like to compliment because people they just don't like to admit they're wrong. I mean, look at Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. People just people don't like to admit they're wrong, and people were complimenting Jones um, against the Steelers defense. I I feel like that keeps on getting lost in this. Is that we are playing the Steelers defense? It very well may be the best defense we play all year long. It like I I think they were the best defense in the NFL last year. They just didn't get talked about enough because they're they have the worst quarterback play in the NFL. Yeah. So the mental they, processing and, was there. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm trying to beside I'm trying to really think of a, of a flaw or something I didn't like besides that one play. Which Bobby, I guess you know, let's let's get this out of the way. You know, we're we're complimenting Jones, but I'm sure a lot of people are slamming their head you know slamming their heads against the wheel listening to this in their car on their way to work on Tuesday morning, saying. But you're basically ignoring the ramifications of that one play. It's absolutely unacceptable. You can't do it. It is. You have to get rid of the ball. But I also don't want to act like that's huge. Like that's literally his first red zone interception in over two years. His last year at Duke and the Giants. So I get there. There's careless stuff about Jones, um, but we also don't want him to totally get rid of that because you know what? If he gets that ball out a quarter a second to Slayton, we're talking about how ballsy and amazing that play is. But I agree. I agree. Like you can't have that, especially it was second down, I believe too. So that even even more so, a field goal there makes you feel way better. Um, even though we, you know, actually we probably wouldn't have felt good about a field goal there, especially no. after you know what would have been a twenty twenty plus drive, <laughs> ten minute plus. drive and it ends in three points. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I mean, do we need to hit on anything else from Jones? I mean, we're ten minutes in. Do we need to hit on anything else from Jones? I'm sure it'll come up with. Well, let's well, let's talk about the receivers quickly, and then yeah. we'll talk about the run game. One, neither one of us expected Slayton to have a big game this game. Not because we're down on Slayton, just like this isn't going to be the game. This isn't going to be the game. It's going to be short, quick stuff. Darius Slayton, six catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns. He's the number one wide receiver on this team. I feel I know it's one game, and it might be an overreaction. But he is the number one wide receiver on this team to me. Jones goes to him in tight coverage, that third and 14, the touchdown. Slayton is the number one wide receiver on this team, and I like that. I like that the second-year guy is taking that role. And it should like this is a game where we're trying to get the ball out quick. Now put it in a game where we're not trying to get the ball out quick, and then that just lets Slayton be even better. So I feel great about Slayton. Ironically enough, Bobby... While we feel like Daniel Jones relatively, quote-unquote, got the ball out pretty quick, his average time to throw was still 2.72 seconds, which ranked in the top quarter 
of the National Football League this weekend in longest averaging time to throw. Partially, I think, again, go back to that mental processing. It's the fact that he's not panicking, getting rid of the ball. He's doing a good job going through his progressions. I say kudos to the offensive line at times for giving him that time to throw. But also, the part of the field where Daniel Jones struggled the most last year was within that 10 to 19 yard range. The way that the Giants are going to take the next step up as an offense, Bobby, is not necessarily, oh, Daniel Jones, we're going to hold the ball on, we're going to hold on to the ball for three and a half seconds per throw and air it out 25 plus yards down the field. No, you could still get the ball out of your hands within, you know, two and a half, two and a half generous, um, maybe two and three quarters of a second while targeting that 10 to 19 yard range. And now we're really talking about, you know, being a consistent passing offense that's kind of trying to push the ball down the field a little bit more than average rather than just dinking and dunking. And that's where Darius Slayton is going to help Daniel Jones really, really make his money. Where we just didn't see, it wasn't just that big post-play action pass that, you know, in the post route that Daniel that uh, Darius Slayton ran for that touchdown. It wasn't just that. That was the highlight of Darius Slayton's day. He caught some intermediate balls. He got the yards after the catch. He broke a tackle. There was also some plays where he just caught the ball in between that 10 to 19 yard range and that's where Jones struggled the most last year and if Slayton can be more consistent with his route running and try to get some more separation within that range and we can be productive in that range because we really don't have another wide receiver Bobby that can be productive within that range Tate's relatively a guy that's pretty close to the line of scrimmage within 0 to 10 yards and we all know that Shep isn't really going to be catching the ball uh, much further past the sticks so if Slayton could be that guy for us that totally changes this offense yeah so i'm i was very i'm very happy with slayton going forward shep six for 47 just a kind of a quiet game i don't really have 100 catch rate i don't really have any takes on shepherd um saquon actually was pretty in like involved in the passing game six catches for 60 yards we'll talk about saquon but in the passing game i felt like you're, you're kind of happy they had him lined out wide not, not to say they were going they had he had the drop actually so that pisses you off the big screen play Yep, the screenplay. That play, man. That play was like so much like like faking and play action and stuff, and they just barely get it off, and it ends up being a play. And then uh, Saquon can't stop hurdling, guys. Caden, two catches for 17 yards. Let's have the Evan Ingram talk. Two catches for nine yards. Granted, he got called for an offensive pass interference that probably shouldn't have been called, which was a 22-yard pass on first down. Yeah. I mean, it was pitiful. He was horrible in the blocking game. And we, we've known that he's not a good blocker, but he has been capable at times. And this is a good Steelers defense, but he was pitiful in the blocking game. And then you have the drop. And then they were blaming that lat, that touch, like in the, on the, when they, we had the muff punt, they were blaming that on Ingram. I don't know for sure, but that's another bad play. I think he had another drop after that. Ingram was pitiful, man. And you know what? I'm not saying trade Ingram, but the thoughts went through my head. Where especially now that we have Caden Smith on this team, where it's like if we trade him, there's an answer. We're not just trading a guy because of a bad game. But I mean, if Caden Smith can be a good blocker and be decent in the receiving game, then why not get what we can get out of Ingram? Um, let me put it this way: if we did trade Ingram after this game, I wouldn't be mad. I mean, because he just he this was supposed to be the game for him. We talked about it. this was supposed to be the yeah. game for him, and he didn't even have like any separation either. It wasn't like he was being missed. Maybe we'll look at look at the all twenty two and see stuff. It was the first time where it's like you know, people go crazy online 
It was the first time, like, with Ingram where I was like, I fully agree. Like, this isn't a bad game. This kind of, like, we can't trust him as a blocker in the run game, which we'll talk about the run game. Um, probably burying the lead on that a little bit. This is what I'll say. I'm very frustrated with Evan Ingram. It's funny that you mentioned average separation because I'm pretty sure I'm looking at this right now on NFL Next Gen Stats. I'm pretty sure that Evan Ingram actually averaged much more than this. He was around averaging around what Shepard averaged, which was like around three, I think. But his average separation was 2.2. And this is all with that player tracking data that NFL Next Gen Stats does. So you're right. Your your eye test was absolutely right about this game. That's that's bad. Like that's That's with some of these wide receivers. Usually tight ends find ways to get separation just because they fit into zones and stuff like that so that's that's pretty bad I'm going to be very interested to see how exactly he was used in the all in the all 22 was it just the lack of communication with you know we talked all offseason about the y option is it the lack of communication lack of not being able to read the defense which I don't know if we're going to be able to see in the the all 22 but yeah just not a not a good day in the one opportunity that he actually had an you know he had an opportunity to make a play and it was the offensive pass interference it's bad because that literally stalled the drive. It was another first down play, and I guess maybe this can be our next point along with Saquon Barkley in the running game, but that was another first down play where it just stalled the drive, where because of a lackluster first down play and a negative play on first down, it just stalled the entire drive and it ruined the whole momentum that we had. All right, so let's talk about the run game in Saquon. First of all, Saquon, 15 carries for six yards. That's pitiful. So now... Everyone knows I'm not a huge analytics guy, but there's one analytic I really like. I'm I like the tendencies more. One of them is passing on first down, and especially so in this game, Justin. And I went through all the first downs to see what happened. I'll go through. I'll read them all very quickly, and then give you the cumulative for passing plays: 13 yards, incompletion; 11 yards, 41 yard touchdown; interception to Watt; 24 yards, negative one yard sack; five yards, 10 yards; four yards, five yards; four yards; 15 yards; 10 yards; 13 yards. Incompletion, six yards, seven yards, incompletion. In the run plays on first down, negative one, seven, one, one, negative two, negative two, negative four, one, seven. So on pass plays on first down, we are 14 of 18 for 155 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one interception, one sack, which was only a negative one yard sack. When we ran the ball, nine plays for eight yards. If you if you suck at math, that's less than a yard per play. Um Listen, I like running the ball, and I don't I don't believe just because analytics say you just completely abandon first down running, but in this game against this defense, we should have abandoned it earlier. Just on first down. I'm not saying abandon the run game, but yeah. on first down, we should have kind of we should have abandoned it because it it was pitiful. And we'll get into the offensive line and stuff like that, and it's like you really couldn't blame Saquon, which is a bigger conversation about running backs, but he had no chance. And it, it, I mean, it was just pitiful and Jones kept on being put behind and then he would save us occasionally, but it's like, you just can't get put behind time after time. And then on top of that, you have that interception. It's just, you can't expect our defense to hold off for that long. And that, that's why I blame the offense is because we, the offense screwed themselves. The offense had like nice moments, especially Jones passing, but they put themselves behind constantly. They didn't have any run game until a little bit later in the game. And when they did get it going, Jones has the costly mistake. And that is the cumulative of why I blame the offense for this loss. I almost want to apologize to people because I, I said all offseason 
Jason Garrett's rush rate on first down while he was the primary play caller in Dallas. It was so low. They were so efficient over time. I'm so excited because Jason Garrett, I think he's going to be aggressive on early downs and he's going to call it like he did in like he did in Dallas while he was the play caller, not necessarily like he was when he was the head coach and he had other coordinators. Bobby, he called the game like he was the head coach. <laughs> there were other offensive coordinators underneath him, except you want to know what? The Giants didn't run the ball well. And I don't hate the ratio of nine to eighteen, but I just feel like you had to get like abandoned quick. Not abandon the run game, but abandoning it on first down. And they did when they did. It, we saw successful drives, yeah, and that was the nineteen play drive, Bobby. You know, I kind of have this take, and it's somewhat serious, but it's also I really want to back it up with more with more data and more explanation, data driven explanation, if I can. I really do think the pass sets up the run. I'm sorry. I really do. You look you look at Tannehill. Tannehill arrived in Tennessee, and that's when that team really took off. So, And I think this 19-play drive really does show it because it wasn't until you had an 18-yard pass, a 5-yard pass that really set you up for a 4-yard run, and then you have a 13-yard pass, a 10-yard pass, which then sets up the run later in the drive. Saquon had a six-yard run that drive, a seven-yard run, which which was probably his longest run of the day. <laughs> his two longest runs of the day, which was a seven-yard run and a, and a six-yard run, happened on that 19-play drive while Daniel Jones was absolutely slashing that Pittsburgh defense. And it was particularly when we were in the red zone and when we were on in Pittsburgh territory after Daniel Jones did what he had to do with Darius Slayton. Quick little passing to Levine Toilolo. Quick little pass the Sterling Shepard and then expanding the field with, with a Darius Slayton. It wasn't until then that it's like, oh, they're respecting the pass. There's going to be less guys in the box. Therefore, Saquon Barkley is able to run and get you those, you know, chunks of six, seven yard gains, which we like to see, which Bobby, how infuriating. And I guess we can even talk about this. We'll have more explanation once we actually can watch the all 22 and maybe we'll count this together. But I really just was getting so, so frustrated. Why we get frustrated, not just for the simple fact that we want to just pass all the time on first down, but you want to pass when it makes sense, and you want to run the ball when it makes sense. When does it make sense to run the ball? When you have less guys in the box. Yeah. Or when you don't have seven or eight guys in the box. When do defenses largely put seven or eight guys in the box? On first down. Because what is first down historically in an NFL football game? It's largely a running down. So that's why when you have a lot of guys in the box, especially on first down, because NFL defenses are expecting run, that's why this new train of philosophy is let's throw the ball because <laughs> there's right. less there's less defense there's less defensive backs on the field. So and I'm not that's, like that's of our like line the, of thinking. I'm not like of like the Warren Sharps where it's like just you should never run the ball on first down kind of thing. Like I think there is times where you should run the ball first down, but it seemed like it's like all right, eight man box, we're just gonna outpower them, and that's nope. when I that's when I got frustrated. It'd be one thing, like, listen, if we have uh, five offensive linemen and a tight end and they have five guys in the box, run on first down all game. But it's, it, we were going up against eight-man boxes and just being like, we're going to outpower you, and we didn't because of uh, mainly Cam Fleming. Um, Want to talk about the offensive line? Yeah, I, I guess really quick on on Saquon. Uh, again, I, I just love how, I love how this NFL next-gen data stats, they're out as soon as the game is over. Um, I wrote all, I, I said a lot of this offseason talking about his rushing yards over expected. Now, I was actually pretty surprised to see that it was this low. 
his individual performance, his rushing yards over expected per attempt was minus one minus one point one six. So that was saying that he should have done slightly better than he what he was quote unquote expected to do today. Which I don't know about that, but I mean because it was rough. It was pretty rough for him. Pretty rough for him today. Yeah. So let, let's talk about the offensive line, and I feel like we should on this one we should actually start negative. And then finish positive. The positive is Andrew Thomas, which we'll talk about. I'm thrilled about Andrew Thomas. Um, and that's the thing. It's like the young guys we feel great about. Let's talk about Cam Fleming. We knew he was bad. I, 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 going into this game, we knew he was bad. Um, we didn't think it would affect their run. Like they actually, I thought they actually did good stuff in the pass game for the most part to help him out. I really did. There was a couple really the where he just lets two guys go. He doesn't pick one. Um, one's a, a Saquon misses a dude on a blitz. By the way, Saquon pick up the freaking blitz. But it just it it was really shown in the run game. Fleming was getting blown up in the run game. He's bad, man. And we we knew this. And I'm not like so. I'm not I'm not mad at Fleming because we kind of knew he was bad. But he 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 was bad. Now, granted, it's against the Pittsburgh Steelers, so you know it could kind of go nowhere but up from here. But he was bad, Justin. It's but also Bobby. It's not just the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's against T.J. Watt. We also have Khalil Mack and Nick Bosa the next two weeks. Yeah, so so that's the thing, and I think this is the conversation. I'm not gonna. I I don't think there's any need for me to uh, just confirm. Yeah, uh, Cam Fleming was bad. So I guess let's go to this conversation, Bobby. If we didn't have Nick Bosa and Khalil Mack in the next two weeks, I'm saying, all right, Cam Fleming will recover. He'll he'll look bad while he's doing it, but he won't be a detriment to the team. But the fact that we have such talented edge rushers that we're facing the next two weeks, is there a move? Is there a move that you have to make? Maybe we should revisit that question. Matt, on you ta- are you talking Matt Parrott? No, no, or Nick I'm, Gates? I'm 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 mainly talking Nick Gates. I don't think it's realistic to ask Matt Parrott to do no, that. But part of me wants to be like, hey, I think Matt Parrott would actually be good in the run game, so why don't we be good in the run game and we'll deal with him being bad in the pass game instead of having Fleming be both bad at both. Let's talk about Nick Gates because I got a couple Nick Gates tweets today and during the game, which is funny, it's like I'm watching Jones, I'm watching the tackles, and I'm watching I'm watching the defense. So I didn't like really have any Nick Gates takes directly after the game. Now there was the one bad uh, tackle for a loss in the first or second quarter. But I didn't really have any Nick Gates takes. You know, like they weren't... Like in the past game, Jones wasn't just getting slammed up the middle. It was coming from Fleming. So I didn't really have any yeah. Nick Gates takes. And I had people going, oh, your boy Nick Gates sucked. You, your boy Nick Gates sucked. So I quickly went through it, through the game before this podcast. Nick Gates was fine. I mean, unless you're expecting him to be the best center in the league, his first game. Nick Gates was fine. He actually did good in picking stuff up. Um, and, and like adjusting and in play adjustments. Now, if you're, if your criticism of him is, oh, he wasn't making the right protections. Well, then you're just, you just don't know because I, yeah. I mean, I watched the all 22 and it takes me a time and asking questions and sending to other offensive linemen and be like, Hey, like what was the assignment supposed to be on this? So that's just, that's, if, if that's what your take is and you're like, you're sticking to that take, then I'm just not your person. Um, you're just, you're just not going to like my type of, of analysis. So Nick Gates was fine. Now, something that could be very serious that people have said, and I'm open to this, is do you put Nick Gates at right tackle and put Spencer Pulley at center? Because Nick Gates was very good at his two games at right tackle. 
um, against some good players. And then Pulley can be, I guess, okay at center. Um, 2018 was all right. His one game last year was horrible against the Jets. But fl- like you just don't want to have that right tackle being so bad. That being said, the reason I kind of would be on, I would be on board for that. But the part that doesn't is I feel like that is short-sighted because eventually we do want Parrot to be that guy. And I think Gates could be a really good center. So yeah. that's, that's like the debate in my head. So I'm not against that, but part of me just views that as short-sighted. I'm also interested to see, and again, I'm sorry, my, my brain is going all to data because I want to see like what happened and how everything broke down, especially in the run game. I felt like there was a lot of plays that were really going towards the outside, going towards the tackles. There were some pitches today, not really going through up the A gap, up the B gap. You know, a lot of pitches, a lot of outside. I don't I don't want to call it outside zone, but it felt like it. And I thought that was kind of strange. That could be situational because you don't want to be rushing it up the middle against these Pittsburgh interior defense alignment. Uh, I would thought that I would rather rush it up there and rely on our pog mollies up the up the middle compared to testing those edge rushers. So Fleming and Ingram were the main culprits, but I actually want to see if they made an adjustment in the second half because the run game was a tad bit better. They weren't blocking Dupree on the backside, and Dupree was just screaming down the line of scrimmage and and causing havoc. And ESPN, which by the way, they were just like this rookie tackle. Like Andrew Thomas was freaking fantastic. Like there was one where du- where Thomas wasn't even blocking Dupree, and Dupree got made a play, and they're like, "Yep, rookie left tackle." It's like, what are you talking about? What are you What are you guys freaking looking at? Um, so that was so frustrating. But like I said, they just weren't blocking the backside, and he was screaming down the line of scrimmage. And I wanted them to come out in the second half and run some read option and be like, "Hey, either respect this, or we're just gonna let Jones run all over your ass all game." Um, and if you play a linebacker on the other side, we'll put a slant in there and let him do that. So they, I don't, they didn't do any read option stuff, but I, I'd be interested to see if they at least like put like a hinge guy on the backside to like stop Dupree from screaming down the line of scrimmage. Like Dupree didn't do anything special in this game. Um, um, so that, that was, I think that was the main culprit in the run game was the fact that Fleming and Ingram who were lined up next to each other were both bad and in the first half, they just didn't block the backside, and it was like, well, like, and they and they weren't getting enough movement uh, in the. I'll give you that the middle guys weren't giving up enough movement um, to not block the backside. But but in the passing game, if you say if you say Gates sucked, then you gotta say Zeitler sucked because Zeitler played worse in the pass game than Gates did. By the way, yeah, I'm trying to check to see the average time behind the line of scrimmage. Um, average time behind the line. Oh, fun. Yeah, this is fun. Um, Saquon Barkley, out of all qualified running backs this week, um, who at least, nope, not even a carry minimum. Um, total time behind the line of scrimmage. Alvin Kamara had the most with an average of 3.22. Saquon Barkley tied him 3.22. Average time behind the line of scrimmage. So, Bobby, you know, if we're talking about Dupree, who was a backside defender, and you're like, oh, well, how, how can this guy consistently, a backside defender and the plays going towards the opposite side of him, how can this guy consistently always just get to the ball? Well, when Saquon Barkley is spending on average three seconds behind the line of scrimmage when he gets the ball after the handoff, well, then that's why. So there you go. You're muted. 
I'm muted. It wouldn't be a pro- post game show if I wasn't muted for five seconds. Um, can let's talk. Can we talk about Andrew Thomas now, and then we'll move the defense. Yes, he was phenomenal. He was great. We have our guy. We have our guy. Not to say he won't have some struggles this season, but we have our guy. He was amazing. He had the one play where it would have, it might have been a Jones fumble from Dupree in the on that first, second on after the muff punt. After that. That's why I said, I was like, I'm not scared of Bud Dupree with Andrew Thomas. Bud Dupree made some plays, but it wasn't because of Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas was dominant. We have our left tackle. And if there's one positive to take away from this game, it is that. We have Andrew freaking Thomas, and the guy's legit. Yeah, look who, look who looked a lot better today when he actually had adequate blocking from the left tackle. And it's not one to, yeah, that is... <laughs> <sighs> Seems like we're having the same conversation. Where it's like, O-line wasn't as bad as people make it out, but one player really sucked. Um, this hey, year, that's, that's this year it's on the right side though, which we're happier about that. Yeah. So Andrew kinda Thomas, similar on the defense too. I love, I love Andrew Thomas. So I was talking about Andrew Thomas has lifted my spirits. Saying his name and after he played that game, it puts a smile on my face. Like he makes me happy. He makes me forget that we just lost. The guy's legit, man, and. I know maybe this is my bias coming out because I loved him forever, but I'm so happy that we drafted him first overall. And Isaiah Simmons got his ass burnt um, for like a 70-yard touchdown on Sunday. Um, I mean, do you have anything on Andrew Thomas? We've done 35 minutes on the offense. No, I'm excited for your breakdown. I think that's the one thing that, besides maybe some Daniel Jones stuff, that's the one thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing from you is you breaking down some, if you find something that's that's good, you breaking down some good Andrew Thomas reps. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Sounds good. All right, let's take a break and we'll move to the defense. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. All right. Let's talk about the defense. Very impressive to start. I mean, very impressive. Very impressed with Patrick Graham. I'm happy with Patrick Graham's game plan. Um, well, let's do that. Let's talk about Patrick Graham and what he did, and then we'll let it branch out from there. I am thrilled from what Patrick Graham did, even though our defense didn't play well at the end. Besides the two-minute drill at the end of the half. Just playing man against them like that, it's like, come on, like you shouldn't do that in a two-minute drill. That was the only time I was frustrated with Graham. But besides that, I mean, they're bringing exotic looks. Art, Dexter Lawrence, and Leonard Williams look freaking phenomenal. Um, we'll talk about him and how they affect Blake Martinez. But I liked what I saw out of Graham. It was very mixed up. Like, when you when you left a game with James Betcher last year, it's like he did this. With Graham, it's like, I really need to watch the tape and see what he did. Because he... Mixed it up, you know, and we kind of were skeptical about how multiple this guy was, but he was multiple in this game. Bobby, at the end of the first quarter, we were winning. That's refreshing. That's not something that happened in 2019. And especially what was most impressive is the Giants had that huge play to Darius Slayton. Steelers kicked a field goal. Three and out on the first drive, by the way, forcing a three down on the first drive, which is awesome. I know, we hadn't hadn't started a season off like that in a long time. Yeah, because usually, I mean, not even even a season. We're just talking about starting out a football game where we're forcing another team that we're going three and out and automatically, you know, getting the ball back. But what I thought was awesome, (laughs) and unfortunately there was only, this was the play, this was the series after this was Daniel Jones throwing the interception to TJ Watt, the first play. But Giants scored a touchdown, three and out. Three and out. 
So you're you're talking about momentum, and yeah, I I 100 believe in momentum. I I'm an analytics guy. I know some analytics people will tell you that momentum is not a thing. I 100 percent believe it is a thing in sports and especially it is a thing in football it's tangible you can feel it don't tell me that the wind just absolutely wasn't taken out of your sails after Daniel Jones threw that interception at Hayward after that 19 play drive don't tell me that momentum's not a thing so we score that touchdown to Slayton we force a three and out and just a breath of fresh air of just, oh my gosh, we actually feel like we have a defense and an offense that's somewhat playing together in a game. And also, so let's get to some schematic things, especially on, I believe it was that first drive that we got that enigma on third down where you had corners, Darnay Holmes and possibly somebody else, I believe it was Julian Love. You had corners and safeties that were blitzing off the edge on both sides. It was Ryan, excuse me. So you had Darnay Holmes and Logan Ryan blitzing off the edge on both sides, but you didn't know that they were going to come in. They came in last minute. But the enigma of you had a lot of guys standing up. You had Lorenzo Carter standing up in like the A or the B gap. You had Blake Martinez standing up in the A or the B gap. Even Leonard Williams was like one of the primary <laughs> edge rushers that play. And he even, I think he even got some pressure. He got some pretty consistent pressure that the entire game. Well, we'll talk but about him. He looked good. Martinez and Carter, they're guys that pulled back. And then you had those corners that rushed the edge. It was brilliant. It was lovely because you didn't know what was going to go on. There was movement pre-snap and it confused the opposing offense. And there was a, you know, for that first, especially the first half, Bobby, you know, call it, call it luck. Maybe because Big Ben was getting his sea legs under him, but he was rattled and he was missing throws, but he was also, but he was also getting hit while missing throws too. Mm -hmm. So very impressive first half by this, by this Giants offense. I mean, by this Giants defense we were in the game and they were the cause of us probably being in the game. And we were, we were winning the game after the first quarter, which is not something we could say very often in 2019. Yeah. They look really good. Um, it kind of got away towards the end. Well, you know, we'll talk about with Ballantyne because with, well, I guess I just brought it up. Corey Ballantyne, he struggled towards the end. We knew Corey Ballantyne was the weakest link and they did a pretty good job of hiding him throughout the game. But at the end of the game, when we needed to play a little bit of man coverage, and you know, got you know, you get fatigued, no preseason, basically like a two and a half weeks of training camp. Um, they needed to blitz a little bit and play some man coverage. They picked on Ballantyne, and I didn't even think Ballantyne's was like flat out horrible. Like there was some really good back shoulder stuff that, yeah, you know, if Bradbury got beat on that stuff, I wouldn't have been like surprised. And they did a good job of hiding Ballantyne. Like they played over the top on Ballantyne a lot. And I like that. I like that. Knowing your weakness and trying to protect it. So Ballantyne struggled, but I, I'm not. I'm not mad at Ballantyne. I mean, Isaac Yedim. He he he, got, he played. That was weird. That I, that he was in on that play. That third down. That was weird. That he got thrown in on. Like, granted, it's a long crossing route, and anybody would have had a hard time covering Juju on that. But that was kind of frustrating. But I I, I mean, what else did you expect from Corey Ballantyne? We knew that he was going to be the weakest link on this defense and you can't yeah. you can't protect him the entire game like that. Yeah, Corey Ballantyne got beat bad on a comeback route, but come, comeback routes are so hard cuz you can have wide receivers that sell that they're running a streak so well and then they just cut and the athleticism yeah. is just unreal. They were and beautiful the t- routes with great timing. If the time and I was just about to say, if the timing is good with the quarterback, it's so hard to defend those comeback routes. Um Bobby, I I don't I don't know 
when we will ever be able to defend crossing routes. I'm starting to think that there is no way to defend crossing routes. There's <laughs> there's just no there's no way to defend crossing routes. Ha, I'm looking for an answer. I'm searching for an answer. Um, <laughs> you know how you know again, how to defend crossing routes? Get to the QB. That's really yeah. the only answer. And on that touchdown, we blitz six. It was cover zero. You know, blitz blitzing. You know, all out blitz with man coverage. And they did a great, like Pittsburgh picked it up. They kept in seven and they did an amazing job picking it up. You pick it up, like you, like that play is called to be like, hey, we're going to get to the QB on this play. They didn't get to the QB, so it's hard to be mad at the defensive backs on that play. So I know people are mad at Ballantyne, but it's like, what what did you expect? Now, if you want to go out and sign someone, I'm right there with you. Ross Cockrell yeah. is still out there. Uh, I, I would be very, I'm on board with you that trusting Ballantyne is not good. But it's what did he expect out of it? But let's talk. Let's talk about the front six. Let's talk a little positive. We'll start how it started. Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence were good. Leonard Williams was moving the pocket. He got a sack. Dexter Lawrence got a sack off of a very nice Lorenzo Carter play. Dexter Lawrence like stopping a screenplay. Those guys were ballers, and they set stuff up for Blake Martinez and the rest to come behind. I mean, those guys. Pittsburgh has a decent offensive line. It's not the best in the league. But they have a formidable offensive line. And those boys were wreaking havoc for the first three quarters of the game. It just seemed like they kind of got gassed out towards the end. Yeah, ironically enough, the play that impressed me the most from Leonard Williams was the play that he didn't get the sack. He almost got the sack. So it's ironic that he gets the the hate for being Mr. Almost, th- Mr. almost There, Almost Sack. But the play that impressed me the most, and I think that actually had the most impact on the game, is he, I think he actually forced an errant Big Ben throw. It might have been on a second or a third down, might have forced a third and long. About. Yeah, so we'll we'll find it on the all on the all twenty-two, but just him collapsing the pocket from the interior part of the defensive line, and he did get the sack, and I did say. I said I I I just really wanted Leonard hey, Williams to get a sack. Leonard Williams I said he is was on pace gonna... for 16 sacks this season. Did you I know love that? it. I love it. And I you know because if just when feels people so relax good, and calm down, that will be a great tweet. Leonard Williams is on pace <laughs> for 16 sacks. People, you, it know, just you felt... can't do that after the loss because there's no time for jokes. But that would that would be a a, a fire tweet. I'll let you do it. You're gonna have to. But now people are listening, so we better you know. Um, there's a certain someone who, you know, might even be in this live. No, they're not in the live stream actually. But they're going to fire it off. Um, so, you know what? Congrats on it. And he'll actually get hate for it. Personal victory. Because I've been talking. We've been talking about it all offseason. I've been making videos on it. I've been trying to be the conductor of, yeah, this situation sucks, but the player's good. And it was just nice to see. And it you know, wasn't just nice to see that, yeah, he the sack was a coverage sack. So, <laughs> at least he got back there. But there were other plays that he just had a tremendous impact on the game. Lorenzo Carter, too really really impressed me just made yeah. wow plays on the run game even in coverage bobby like in coverage he was dropping back he was doing a solid job and when when your name's not called when you're allowing catches or when your number's not seen the back of your jersey's not seen running after somebody you know in coverage that's a good thing and i you know you even saw lorenzo carter he was being he was being used in a lot of different ways as an edge rusher as a guy that's kind of lining up in that a gap um kind of like kyler fackrell was in green bay and we said that there was that was a possibility so that was nice to see that he was making impact plays um dexter lawrence as well cool really really cool excited to see these boys work um ex- i'm interested to see because we've also been talking about the snap share I'm interested to see how it all breaks down based off of week one of, you know, how many snaps did, you know, Williams get? Williams probably got the most, but how many snaps did Lawrence get, Tomlinson get, Zoe get, 
Kyler Fackrell was out there for a few plays. Like, I, don't I don't remember I don't any Dalvin plays. Now, granted, no. he could have had some plays that we just don't remember, but I don't remember any Dalvin plays. It looks like Dex and Leo are the two guys there. Yeah, so that's, I'm they- going to be interested to see the snap share, especially as we're talking about do we extend Dalvin or not extend Dalvin. So that's still yeah. always a conversation that's happening. Logan Ryan's even play linebacker. There's n- not much like Ryan impact plays. That being said, the guy who played next to him, Blake Martinez, Blake played fantastic, and I think it's a product of who he is, but also playing behind the guys we just talked about. I mean, he was flying around making plays. Like, I was very impressed with Blake Martinez, and I have high standards for who Blake Martinez has to be to be worth the contract, and he exceeded them in this game. Now, granted, Pittsburgh kind of did the same things we were doing and just kind of running at us, and it's like, it's not working. Why do you keep doing it? But you know what? They did what they did, and Blake Martinez stepped up to the plate. I don't know how he was in coverage. You know, you get to watch the film for that. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't remember being mad at him, so he couldn't have been that bad. So Blake was uh, very solid in this game. I was very impressed with Blake Martinez. Yeah, I was going to say not totally sure what he looked like in coverage, but flying around the field. And, Bobby, I'm not exaggerating. Speaking metaphorically, the game Blake Martinez had today and the plays that he made – especially to force third and longs or to maybe even just make a stop on third down itself too. It was the best game a Giants linebacker had in 10 years. I'm not exaggerating. I am not even running joking. Well, all right. Okay. You you got me. Sue me. You got me. But before Ryan Conley, it was the People best like linebacker. It was the best game. It was the best game a Giants linebackers had in 10 years. <laughs> People aren't going to like that we're kind of cheery towards the end of this podcast. Like, talking about it, talking through it has made us a little more cheery. So, yeah, but, I mean, Dan, Dexter Lawrence and Lenny Williams both get a sack. I mean, that puts that puts a sock in a lot of people's mouths. Hey, and you know what? When On the PPP, me and you went back and forth on Leo. I said he needs to get there. He got there today. Very mm-hmm. impressed with him. I have a negative part about the defense, and this is okay, play-specific. We'll, we'll have to revisit this play on Wednesday. Wednesday or Thursday, whenever we're going to put up that the the film cleanup episode. What in the world was Logan Ryan doing on that third down play that went to Eric Ebron, where Jabril Peppers was pretty was covering Eric Ebron pretty well? What in the world was he doing? And I actually sent this to you, and it, it unfortunately didn't get much traction on Twitter when I posted it. But Logan Ryan was bailing at the snap of the ball. He was bailing almost to play like. Safety, they might have been playing too high, which they didn't. I don't think they played a lot of single high safety. I think it was a lot of too high stuff, which was nice. Um, but he was bailing. And then once the ball was snapped, Logan Ryan just jets towards the line of scrimmage, just leaves his quote unquote post, leaves the part of the field where he, he's covering. He jets to the running back, which is already being covered by two Giants defenders, a safety and probably a linebacker in Blake Martinez, just jets to triple cover a linebacker, uh, a running back. And then lo and behold, Eric Ebron, Jabril Peppers, one-on-one. Eric Ebron's just a huge dude, and it's tough for Jabril Peppers to get in front of him. And that was a huge third down play that eventually did lead to a touchdown. That was a that was a pretty third and long too. Um, and the Giants were doing a pretty good job of getting some stops on third down. So that was in the two minute drill. Yeah what what was what in the world was Logan Ryan doing on that play? So no that one I, knows I what know we're if... talking about without seeing it. But I, I watched it and I agree with you. It was it's it's I don't I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, that's Peppers, a huge play. 
Peppers gave up that pass, which is like, that's going to happen. But then the horrible angle towards the end of the game on the running back, where it's just like, what? Ugh. I've never seen Peppers play, one, uh, angle that bad, and then two, that passively. That was weird from Peppers. Um, he apparently pulled something. He had to go and he get, had to get stretched out on the sideline with the calf. Cramp. And he's been pulling he's been pulling muscles all summer. So. I mean, yeah, cramps. Bradbury had some good plays. He gave up a couple catches, but... You're happy with Bradbury? I know. Don't you have a? I think you have some on Bradbury, right? Yeah, yeah. If this was just the eye test, and again, we'll we'll clean this back up on. We'll clean this back up later in the week. Bradbury, when he was playing press, now we're excited about just you know Patrick Graham's potential with this defense of having allowing cornerbacks to get physical at the line of scrimmage. But the De, uh, DeAndre Baker, whoops, James Bradbury in press was just not good. He was he was constantly kind of running into cornerbacks. That was happening a lot with those little like I don't know what I don't know what you're what we're supposed to call them when the wide receivers make when the wide receivers run kind of routes and I'm doing hand signals. I'm so sorry, but um, cornerbacks were running into each other all night because wide receivers were crossing each other basically at the snap of the ball. So Bradbury fell victim to that a few times when Bradbury was making his plays. And he was making plays on the football, and he's making good plays on the wide receiver. It's when he was playing off ball. There were a few times where Patrick Graham actually lined him up five, maybe even ten yards off the line of scrimmage. And while we hate that as Giants fans, because we have PTSD of James Betcher doing that on like third and fours, <laughs> third and four, let's put our cornerback ten yards, ten yards behind the line of scrimmage. Bradbury just overall, and this even goes back to his days in Carolina, he kind of looks better and he looks more comfortable when he's playing off ball versus when he's playing press or close to the wide receiver towards the line of scrimmage. I agree with you 100%. Um, he can play man, but he's better in his own. But I I thought Graham's – listen, I don't know exactly I, – I can't tell you this is what Graham did, and I think that's what we wanted from him is to not just preach multi, being multiple. I thought he was pretty multiple, so – you know, there's some man cut like the two minute drill was the only time my only gripe with Patrick Graham was like we shouldn't have been playing man there. Maybe that's you know, hindsight being twenty twenty. How about I mean, I know this was really only for a couple drives and it was in the second half, or maybe even just one particular drive. We talk about not putting our players in uncomfortable positions and Granted, Deon, uh, Corey, ba- I keep on saying DeAndre Baker, Corey Ballantyne, we're going to put him in a, in a he's going to be in an uncomfortable position. There's really nothing we can do about that unless we bring somebody else in. But Darnay Holmes was out there. He was out there in the slot and we were kind of expecting Logan Ryan to to play uh, slot corner. There were some times where safeties were playing quote unquote slot corner. I even saw Peppers. Peppers was lined up over a wide receiver at slot corner on, on a couple told snaps. Us. Yeah, his trainer did tell us. I even we even did see that. So, which doesn't surprise us because safeties can do that. But it, it kind of stunk to see that he was left out there to dry against Juju Smith Schuster, which that's not good. Yeah, there's one route on me where it's, it's called a chair route, where it's basically it's you like stars a slant and then sit on it and go outside. It's a yeah. very hard route to cover. That's the one where it's like Holmes gave it up. I think that was on a third down. Yeah. I, I I think I'm out of takes on the defense. Excited what you saw with the defensive line. There's some stuff they got to clean up themselves. Bobby, they they kept us in the game. They kept us in the game at the time. Yeah. It, what that 19 that 19 play drive? It would have made it a 17 to 16 game if we were to punch in seven. And and again, we would have had the lead. You know, in the middle towards the latter end of the second quarter because that drive was nine minutes. So. 
I'm going to kind of restate what I said at the beginning of the show. If you're mad and angry at this defense, I really think you need to change your expectations, frankly, for what this defense can do, but also expect the offense to do more. This is an offensive league. Mm -hmm. This is is an offensive league. Especially this team. And this is an offensive team. This team is not going to be the Legion of Boom and absolutely, you know, we're going to make our money on defense and we're going to we're going to put the offense in great opportunities. However, Bobby, this is something that will re- I really I'm going to make a note to really gather the numbers for this. The field position battle today, we were winning it. Yeah. Between Steelers kicking the ball out of bounds, uh, between you know just overall Jabril Peppers was maybe giving us some good returns. So he looked defense good at the kick return, punt return, or whatever. Defense and specials, they were doing their job in that regard where the offense was constantly getting good, where they were, we were putting the offense in good positions to put points on the board with good field position. And again, it's just a matter of how can your offense be a good defense and can help your defense. And once again, it was a similar theme of 2019 and it's a similar theme of week one of this year. Uh, Offense did not help the defense. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, we feel a hell of a lot better after this week one than we did last year against Dallas, you know, where they just yeah. shredded us. And it was like, man, like we need to go to Jones. You don't you don't look at week one of 2020 and say, did Jones take a step back? You don't. If you, I mean, if you want to be an asshole and, and to hold on to that one play, then, I mean, then, like I said, this probably isn't the podcast for you. But we, I, I feel good about this team long term and you know what this Steelers team is freaking really good um losing so, sucks yeah it sucks L- i mean losing sucks <laughs> like like my brother came over for the game and he just left he's like i can't watch this game with you like i, I don't want you know i don't want this to come off as like ah we'll get him next time like it sucks i hate losing mm-hmm. but i think we'll feel i think we'll feel better about this team going into chicago that's the thing i mean bobby that that's the thing it's how can you respond? And I know we'll save this. We'll save this for later in the week. But really, that that's that's where that's where my brain is at. It's like okay, we took these. We we take these positives. We take these negatives. This is where the 2020 Giants can fully separate themselves from teams of years past. Yeah. You have your quote unquote moral victories, which you can be a fan of moral victories. This you cannot one, be a fan of. You cannot be a fan of moral victories. But I'm just saying in general, you can or you can't be a fan. But it's about how can we respond early in the season, week two, against a solid football team when the games actually still matter in the month of September. Yeah. Let's see it. Let's go one and one. All right. We'll probably be back Thursday. Usually, you know, in the season, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's Monday Night Football. We'll probably be back Thursday with the cleanup and mailbag. And then Friday, we'll do our regular preview show. But we we didn't want to cut it, cut it out the first week. So we're, we'll probably give you that on Thursday. So we'll see you then. Really appreciate your guys' support. Um, hopefully we can, you know, win this next game against Chicago. Um, we'll see you then. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs> <laughs>